What's up, everyone? I am Kyle Schudick, and welcome to the Stay in the Fight podcast. I am so grateful to have you listening with me today. This podcast is an in-the-field approach to connect you to the stories and experiences of people who are or have had to overcome their battles, those who have chosen to stay in the fight. You're going to hear of resilience, perseverance, and persistence that hopefully relates and resonates with you to show you that you are not alone in your thoughts and feelings and experiences. Our aim is for you to extract a lesson, strategy, or tactic that you can integrate right now so that when things feel too overwhelming, you too can stay in the fight. I want to welcome Dipti Tate into the Stay in the Fight podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. So we had a conversation before we decided to, to record an episode, and I found everything that we talked about to just be so wonderful and the story that you had told. And I said, you know, this is something that we can bring to an audience because it's never about what people are doing right now, but it's how they got there. And that's what stay in the fight is all about. Like I had these problems or what we thought were problems, right? <laughs> and, and I pushed through, I found a way to get there. And that's what we want to get into. But first, I want my audience to get a chance to know who you are. So um, explain to people, you know, who, who are you? You know, what focus is your, what is your focus of your time right now? And obviously, where are you from? And yeah, let's start off with that. Okay, so I'm, yeah, as you said, Dipti Tate. I live in the Cotswolds in the UK. For people in America who don't know where that is, but it's basically a place where you find chocolate box cottages, <laughs> you know, with like um, those kind of quintessential castles and, and lovely, you know, manor houses. So yeah, I live in the hills of the, the English countryside. And I'm actually a solution-focused hypnotherapist and a grief expert, apparently. And that's kind of why I'm going to be talking to you today. Why I've, you know, what was my fight and how basically my job has become the solution. Oh, that's, that's excellent. I didn't even want, I wanted you to introduce that because some people, some people you say hypnotherapist and they're like, well, um. <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't understand it, but I, I tell you, you guys stick for this. It's, 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 it's quite amazing. And so how did you get then into hypnotherapy? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Well, I was, I was basically down there myself, you know, really, uh, maybe I should just tell you what hap was happening going on in my life at that time. Mm -hmm. So I was probably late thirties. And um, my mom had been diagnosed with cancer. My father had already died of cancer. I'm an only child. And so I had kind of nobody, I felt I had nobody around me that would understand uh, that I was becoming an orphan, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I was also a mother, so I had two children. I have, well, I still do have them, <laughs> they're still around. Um, I had, but at that point they were, you know, six and seven years old. Um, and also at that time, as my mum was dying, I was also in a really, really unhappy marriage. Mm. So everything was just going wrong in my life. That's how it felt. And, and I felt like I had nowhere to turn, no one to talk to. Um, unfortunately, my mum really, really, really loved my ex-husband, um, even more than I think she loved me, sad to say. So she knew that we were having problems, but she would never really acknowledge them. She would never make me feel better. She would just basically just say, doesn't matter, just carry on, just stay married. What do you mean you want to be happy? You know, that's kind of her message to me. And you can't, you can't leave, you can't uh, ruin your children's lives. 
you know, you just got to stick with this, the end, you know? Yeah. So you had somebody who actually told you that your happiness doesn't matter. Yes. That was my mother. And <laughs> your mother of, of all people, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not here to judge anybody's, you know, relationships with their parents. However, when you have that dynamic between two people, especially somebody who has you've known your whole life. So mm. you feel like when somebody tells you that your happiness, yours, doesn't matter to anybody, not even to yourself, how does that really, you know, manifest? Well, I was just so confused. I was like, well, I don't understand that. That does not make sense to me because it, it's just not right, you know? So even though she was actually... You know, this is probably a couple of weeks before she passed away. Mm -hmm. She, uh, um, you know, I was kind of explaining to her that, you know, oh, this is how I felt. But then also I couldn't explain it properly because it wasn't the, mo the most appropriate conversation to yeah. have with somebody who's literally on death's door. Yeah. So in a way, I couldn't really say what I wanted to say because it wasn't appropriate. Uh, so I had to kind of go through that all on my own. And I ended up getting divorced as she passed away. And um, th that was really difficult because actually a lot of my family at the time didn't understand either. I mean, you know, I come from an Indian background and mm -hmm. when you're Indian, you just don't do that. That's not the done thing. Yeah. So I had a lot of cultural kind of burden on my shoulders as mm. well. So there was all that going on. I just felt like, you know, nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, no one to talk to. And then one day someone said to me, oh, have you, have you ever tried hypnotherapy? <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't care what it is, but if it works, yeah. I'm, I'm going to find someone that can help me. So then I started doing kind of an exploration about, you know, what is hypnotherapy? You know, what does it even mean? How can it help me in my situation? And in the end, what happened was I couldn't really gel with hypnotherapists that I was finding online. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just didn't feel like they, I, I couldn't find anybody that I felt I could go to. But what I did find was a training center. And I was kind of more drawn to learning it myself yeah. rather than getting therapy at that time, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I basically found this therapy training school and literally joined. So within something like three weeks, four weeks of my mum passing away, I was enrolled wow. uh, on the hypnotherapy diploma, which was um, a year. And I guess I became, I became my own therapist <laughs> in that way. Um, so through the training itself, I managed to sort my own grief out. Wow. At the same time, I decided to write a book, uh, as you do, because <laughs> I thought, well, I might as well just use myself as an experiment here. You know, yeah. what could go wrong? <laughs> it already feels like my life is over. So if I just immerse myself in full on, kaleidoscopic therapy and how it felt like I was doing it from the inside and the outside then you know if I can lift myself out of this pain this this place of I don't know hopelessness then at least I've got a story to share with people when I come through the other end and I didn't know whether I was going to come through but That's... I have come through <laughs> obviously we're still we're here and we're having this conversation so everything that you said is is it's fantastic because one, you know, you have to deal with the grief of losing a parent, no matter what they have said to you, that that is difficult, right? Mm -hmm. It's because again, you live with that person. You've known them your entire life. No matter what the relationship is, they hold a special place in your heart. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I've, I can't imagine that yet. The closest I've had is losing my grandmother who I've known most of my life and she lived with us and she was, I wouldn't say a replacement for my mom at all because my mom's always been in my life, but she yeah. has that kind of parental role. Yeah. yeah. She had lived with my father when my parents separated uh, to come and help her, him uh, with me when I was living there. Oh. And you know, our relationship was really healthy. So I couldn't imagine, you know, having that not so healthy relationship towards the end and then still losing somebody that matters. Mm -hmm. Sounds like, you know, you said, I'm going through all of this thing all at one time. 
there has to be something else, right? There has to be something, this, this, this can't be it. Cause you said a, a term, you said, I already felt my, like my life was over as you're writing the book and going through the diploma for the hypnotherapy. But really when we get into that, that space, you know, I want to go back into, you know, you already, you kind of felt lost because you're, you said your, your family didn't understand cause you're going through the divorce and you're, and you're dealing with, with, you know, losing a, a parent. Let's go back into that grief for a minute. Right. And so you said you kind of became a grief expert. Is this kind of how you started that? Well, obviously you did cause you started going through the process, but what does that grief really do to you internally? How does it really kind of give you Oh, well, it's so, it's so powerful um, and it can really, it can really knock you out, you know, like you stay yeah. in the fight thing, yeah. it's like a, a knockout, you know, it's yeah. like, and then it's kind of like you, you go, okay, do I stay down here Yeah. or do I stand up again, try and find something inside me somewhere that I didn't even know I had something that I can just pull on and build myself back up again. And I think for me, I don't know about everybody in life, but I think for me, it probably had to be like that for me to dig that deep. Mm. Um, it's not just scratching the surface, you know, it's yeah. kind of finding something inside you that you didn't even know you had. So I felt like I had to kind of become my own parent at that point, as well as be, I was a parent to my children. Yeah. And I felt I had to kind of become a parent to myself and sort of be the parent that I maybe didn't feel like I had wow. as well. Um, but my dad was amazing, but he died when I was 23. So I was really young then, even though I felt like I was old, I felt like I knew everything. I felt like I'd put the world to right. And I was a grown up at 23, but you know, now that's like over 20 something years ago. And now I still don't feel like a grown up. So I don't know how I was <laughs> feeling like a grown up then. It's amazing though, when, when we're in that age, right? In your twenties and you're like, I want to be so independent and mm -hmm. I want to be uh, free and I want to do all these other things. And then you go back and you look at it and you're still a child to somebody, whether you're yeah. in your twenties or thirties or forties or fifties, then even if you've lost your parents. And I, so I look at my you know, um, I'm, I'm going to relate this really quick. I look at my dad my dad's now 65 and I'm still his son and mm. I'm always going to be his son. And when we lost my grandmother, who was his mom, like it, it took still a toll because she, they always play a part in your life. Exactly. But they're still going to parent you because they are ahead of the game. They're always going to be ahead of the game. Mm. So it's not, they're not raising you anymore, but they're still there to guide you. Exactly. Yeah. The guidance is like the yeah. navigational system just suddenly mm. broke in my life. Yeah. But the interesting thing is you talk about your grandma. Mm -hmm. My grandma was very poignant in my life as well. And I was her first grandchild. So oh, wow. we had a really special kind of bond and relationship. And up two weeks after my mum died, so this is her mum, mm -hmm. she died. My grandma died two weeks oh, after wow. my mum. And so it was like everything had just been taken away yeah. from me. I had no guidance left because at least with my grandma, there was still that, you know, idea of, oh, well, she, she's there, you know, but mm -hmm. because she wasn't there either, I was literally just plunged into, I don't know, I felt like I was plunged into like an embryonic state then. <laughs> yeah. And wow. I kind of had to figure out life from mm -hmm. another perspective. And it was, it was weird, but yeah. actually the weird thing is now looking back, I would not change it. Mm. I know that sounds really like strange to hear No, because no, I'm not no. saying I wouldn't do anything to get my parents back. But if I got my parents back, I wouldn't be who I am now. Yeah. And I really like who I am now. And I couldn't have been this person without all of that happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is, I think it's once we get there is once we, you know, not even come to the assumption, come to the understanding that we're not in control of yeah. that, of anything yeah. else, but, but our future state, right. And we're, what direction we're going. And I'm, I'm going to get to that. 
because uh, <laughs> you already alluded to that, is that all of this was put in front of me for a reason and mm. it's going to either make me or break me, but we have the choice. We have the choice. Yeah. We definitely have the choice. And that's probably what I learned from hypnotherapy mm. because it's solution-focused hypnotherapy. So you've always got the choice. Are we going to focus on a problem and let the problem be, uh, you know, kind of dangling in front of us forever? Or are we going to just kind of twist the problem around and really understand that every problem has a solution attached to it? That's kind of by definition of yeah. the word problem. <laughs> and, and when you know that, it's almost, in, I don't like the word empowering. I can't think of another word, but it is actually uh freeing maybe yeah that feeling of knowing that whatever is in front of you whether it looks like you can't solve it whether it looks ridiculously challenging there will be a way you might not know how and you not might not know that you've got the skills but you can always start to um, inquire you know mm. within yourself of what do I need to learn or who do I need to speak to or what information do I need to gather? Um, but there will be a way. Yeah. I like how you, one, we're on the same page because empowering is like a word I don't like to use. It's one, it's overused. And I believe freeing is a great thing. If you're trying like for, I want to free people of themselves and their, in their trauma, like a, or even in a corporate environment, I want to free people of thinking that they can't be free. You know, yeah. and I, I want to do that with, uh, and when I work with leaders, I do the same thing. I'm like, free your people, free them to make decisions. <laughs> Don't empower them. Freeing is empowerment. So mm -hmm. it's a nest underneath it. I love, I love people who come in and say that I, I don't, I don't like the word empowering. Yes. Good. Let's, let's change the narrative because empowers one, it's overused. And I think it's, you can't empowering like is you can't give power to anybody. Like they have to choose to take their path. Like it's the choice. They have to choose mm -hmm. to take the, the right path and the righteous path. But you can give them the energy and the space to do so and let them choose, but you can't mean empower is Yeah. It's such a great, great thing to, to hear from an, another person. Every time I do, I have to like, I get so excited. Um, <laughs> but so going back into the, the choice in, in, in making that choice to start finding solutions to the problems that you've let become a problem, right? and really diving into that as you go through your experiences, right? As you go back and kind of look at everything is how do you start to choose? Like, which one do you focus on first? Well, remember when my mom said, what is happiness? You know, what's yeah. the point of happiness? You don't, you don't need to prioritize happiness. I, I realized then actually there is my answer. Mm. <laughs> I actually have to prioritize happy. So really, I went on a sort of discovery mission of what does happy mean for me? What is my version of happy? Because obviously your version of happy, someone else's version of happy might be different. So I had to kind of figure out what does happy mean to me? And for me, if I feel peaceful in my heart, so again, going back to that idea of freedom, so I'm not trapped in my thinking or I'm mm. not, um, I don't hear the word should, I should do this, or I have to do that because of that obligation or that duty. Mm. Um, so if I feel totally free and peaceful in my heart, that, uh, that means I'm happy. So I kind of had to do that as a kind of foundation yeah. thing. And, and now anytime I make a choice, it kind of gives, it's governed by that. Am I, am I moving towards that peaceful feeling inside me or am I moving towards a, a disrupted feeling inside me? Uh, and then that becomes my answer. You know, okay. if it, if I feel disrupted, I, I, I'm not saying I won't do it because obviously life maybe has got disruptions in it, but I will always, I will always move towards freedom or peace mm. and i know that sounds really kind of instagram mean <laughs> sound like that because that does sound a bit you know what does that even mean dicty but it's a feeling so i can't really put the feeling into words it's just more of a internal congruence maybe yeah and so what listening to that what i hear from that is it's having to go inside 
and go internal to you. And nobody can define that. So mm-hmm. I went through a, a session recently where nobody can put that onto you. Nobody can say, this is what you should do. So let's look from an external perspective. If we're having this conversation, I said, Dipti, this is what you should do. Nobody mm-hmm. can tell you what you should do and nobody can define what makes you happy or what you're good at that makes you happy. There's a lot of people who, who do a lot of things they're very good at and they're just not happy doing it. So let's say I, I'm very good at doing training because it's what I've done for, you know, corporate training and teaching. Yeah. It doesn't always make me happy. That version that I do doesn't always make me happy. And just because you're good at it, you know, you have to go just because you're good at it. You have to still go back and say, is this what frees me, makes me happy, gives me excitement, gives me energy, gives me joy, gives me all of these things. And you're right. It's so hard to describe to another individual, but walking yourself into that. So how do you walk yourself into that? Let's break it down a little bit for, for people, because maybe this will give them kind of a, a tangible, like how do you go through and get the introspective and, and discover that, you know, that freedom, that, that fulfillment and that, that happiness as it would be applied to you. But how did you like tactically go through that? Yeah, that's a really good question because I probably haven't thought about how I actually break it down. I just know I feel it. So I'm going to have to think about this question. How do I actually break it down? Um, Let me give you an example of, um, I don't know, something simple. Like someone asks me to do a piece of work Mm -hmm. and the piece of work sounds on paper like it would be right up my street for example Mm -hmm. but then um they say something like okay well you know i'm not i'm not going to be able to pay you for this work right just something like that so i'll say okay payment to me is actually necessary for my time Mm-hmm. But sometimes payment might not be necessary for my time because my value has overridden the value of money, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So I will always go with the greatest value in my heart. Yeah. So I might say to that person, yeah, well, okay, if we're helping X, Y, Z, I'm fine to give you my time for free for that because... Mm. I actually, I see the purpose and the mission in that. So really, I have to go to my own value system. And if my value system overrides, I don't know, financial value or time value, then it will win. I love that. And so much because I had that conversation just yesterday with somebody about my own values. And so... I'm assuming that you probably have some values that you are concrete and I think they should be, and they can change position a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but what values do you usually line those things up to? Like, so what, if you had to describe the values that you hold, what would they be? Um, again, without having bumper sticker words going on here, but I think truth mm. is a really big value for me. I, I want to find the truth in any situation and whether that is the truth of what someone's telling me or whether that's the truth of who that person is sitting in front of me. If they can't see their truth, Mm. then I get really upset, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and like with me, if, if I don't tap into my truth, Mm. I feel like a hypocrite. So Truth is a massive one. And then the other value I have actually is time. Time to me is so valuable because at at the moment we haven't got a time traveling machine. No, we don't. You know, we we are only going that way and it's heading towards death. (laughs) I know that sounds a bit depressing, but that's kind of where we're going. Uh, We can't go backwards and we can't freeze and we can't rewind. So Time is really valuable. It's such a valuable commodity for me. Mm. So truth and time. And I guess truth comes with honesty, integrity, you know, that sort of stuff. And love. Love Uh, is a really massive value. 
you know, do things with love, not because yeah. you feel like you need to do them or you have to do them or you feel obligated. Do them because you really want to. That that is a that is a massive one. So of the five, I'll, I'll tell you my five, and it's, I, it's it's how I line things up. Is uh, number one for me is service. Is this in service to something? Mm-hmm. And what is that service? Is it something greater, or is it just an exchange? Mm. Um, my second one is love. Like mm. it is. Is that, am I doing this out of care and compassion, or am I not? And if I'm not, then you're right. Right. What do we What do we do? We, mm. you know, if we don't really care about it, is it necessary to our own enjoyment and fulfillment? Uh, next mm. is connection. Am I doing mm. it to connect somebody or to connect to somebody uh, authentically, right? So authenticity is number four. And my last one is responsibility. Is this, is this something that I'm responsible for? Mm. And responsibility doesn't mean it has to be the ownership is on me, but is it something that I feel that I should be responsible for, for the betterment of mankind or however I can define that. And if it's not, then we don't make that exchange. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just, so I love how you put that. Cause a lot of those nested into the same thing that for, for me, true, like you say, for the truth, for me, that's the authenticity responsibility. Yeah. Um, time for me is under responsibility and service. So I love how those are in there and they're nested in and how you use those as a guide. Yeah. yeah. And how you use those as a guide. And that really breaks down a lot for me. It gets me to understand people a lot better. It's like, what do you value most? And well, if they can't even come up with it, like you took the time to search to give them tangible words. And some people don't have them in words. Mm-hmm. Like the, the explanation is, is, is so, ah, it is so right for people to make decisions that are going to move the ball in the right direction for them and nobody else. And eventually as you're doing the work that you do, it starts to move the ball for other people because you're doing what's necessary for you to make you happy and fulfilled and free. I love the word free, the freedom. And that allows you to do that for other people. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's interesting with the whole identity issue as well, because Mm. people usually say that, or I've heard the identity is kind of on top of the value system. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, would, I would rather be holding on to my values than my identity. I know that sounds really odd, no. but I really would. Yeah. Like I'm happy to change my identity for my values. That's how strong mm. I feel my values yeah. should be. <laughs> well, it's... Are. It's really funny, isn't it? That people will get wrapped up in what they do as their identity versus what they believe in, mm-hmm. what they'll value most. And so they would, a lot of people would much rather change their values to keep their core identity of who or what they do versus who they truly are and then be able to be fluid in that. And it's really funny because this conversation just came up yesterday and uh, it tells me these conversations are always meant to be when they start yeah. getting congruence exactly. is, is that if you are fluid in that, but are, I would say, I don't like the term rigid to your values, but you stick to your values because that is what you know, like really lights you up. Mm. Then it doesn't matter whether you, maybe tomorrow you're not a hypnotherapist and, and a grief counselor or an expert in grief. Maybe tomorrow you're driving a bus for a living. Yeah, and, exactly. But it yeah. hits your values, right? Cause you have the time cause you're helping other people manage their time. Um, their truth because you're taking them to the destination they want to go. Oh, this is so, <laughs> this is getting crazy. And you know, you do it out of love because maybe people don't have a necessary, you know, vehicle to get to where they want to go. And you're doing this because you don't want to see them walk in the rain. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. So you can really bring yeah. your values into, into any situation, mm. aren't you? It's, it's quite fascinating. It, it is. I love how you put that uh, because one of the recent trainings I went through the value the value chain is at the top of everything. Nothing comes before that. Your values drive everything else in the direction you're going to go. So if you can constantly move towards those, mm. things that you can't touch because you can't touch the time, you can't touch love, and you can't touch truth <laughs> towards them. I love that. I love sometimes that. people also link beliefs and values together. Ooh. I don't think they, I mean, sometimes they are linked, but I think that they don't have to be linked either because our beliefs can change because mm. we change our beliefs when we've got new information about something, for example. Yes. And so our beliefs don't have to be so fixed and rigid. And, you know, quite a lot of the time I work with people who, who have a problem with their belief. They could believe something like, 
um, that they're not good enough, for example. So when they've actually developed their value system and I've helped them kind of figure out what is their value, their self becomes high in that value. And then therefore their self-belief becomes high. So Mm. it doesn't, I mean, it can be linked in that way, but it doesn't, it's not the belief that they came in with. They changed the belief, you know. Man, that, that's fascinating to hear because a lot of people are so concrete in their beliefs, right? We believe and, our beliefs, don't we? Yeah, we, believe, we, <laughs> we believe our beliefs. That's so true. And, <laughs> and they'll look for all the evidence that will give that belief more, yeah. more yeah. rigidity. Validity, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and validity mm-hmm. instead of maybe questioning it. So if... You know, if I say I'm a duck, I'm going to look for every belief that I can. This is very out there. Every belief that I can. Can I swim in water? Yes, I can. You know, can I, can I fly for a brief period of time? If I try, I can get in the air for one second. Can ducks fly? Uh, yeah. I don't think ducks can fly. Ducks, well, they kind of fly. Yeah, they fly, right? It's chickens they? that don't fly. Yeah. So we have like oh, all these. Ducks do fly. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think. I was like, well, ours don't because we have some in the front pond of the neighborhood. And they would rather walk across the road and get hit than they would fly. Oh no, (laughs) they need to learn to fly. They do. So they don't like to fly. (laughs) No, can I go underwater? Yes, I can. You know, do I like Mm. eating? So on a very rudimentary level, we look (laughs) for all those things to reinforce it, but I am not a duck, right? But we'll look for everything once we hold on to that, to hold on to it even further. I love how you put that. We distort, we generalize and we delete. So Mm. our belief remains intact, you know? Yeah. And when you go into somebody who says, um, I'm not good enough, right? Mm-hmm. This is a good one because that's that, that limiting self-belief that a lot of people we know probably talk about, but we don't mm-hmm. ever investigate on the level. So how do you go, let's say for your own beliefs, because at one point in time, let's go back to those issues of going through the divorce and dealing you know, with the death of your mother, your father, and your grandmother, you know, three foundations and pillars in your life. Mm-hmm. Like what beliefs did you have of yourself at the time that you were constantly gathering evidence to hold true? Oh, well, I am alone was one of them. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that was really true because I am alone now. I don't have, well, I chose not to have a husband. Uh, I don't have my parents. I don't have my role models. I am alone. But actually I started to realize that um, I'm not alone because I've got me Mm. and I have me and even though the me at that point does not know what to do has no answers I can still figure it out excuse me so I guess in a way the feeling of being alone helped me find myself and that now now I found myself (laughs) I'm I'm never gonna let her go because she got me through all of that you know and she's all right she knows what she's doing (laughs) you know and I'm really happy to to kind of have her tag along (laughs) it's it's funny when you put it into that context right that I've 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 discovered myself again (laughs) You know, and when we think of alone, we think of the, the silo that we put ourselves in. And I'm going to go, I'm going to link this really quick because this is a mission that's really strong in my heart is to dealing with, you know, veterans and, and first responders and people who experience high um, violent trauma mm. and they silo themselves. It's, this, is, this is great because these conversations are happening right now with other people is that, um, that, that feeling of, of isolation and being alone is so difficult and you said something powerful is that you know the, the the person you are who can figure this out you've done the work to do that right just uncovering your values and then finding a solution for your own thing that manifested into a problem and that once you discovered that that you are the person who can do that you're truly not by yourself and that's one thing that we're really trying I'm really pushing on my end to to work with the the people in my demographic is that yeah. thing and I love how you how you put that, right? Is that you're you're not a, you're alone physically, you're by yourself. Like you you don't have anybody, but are you truly alone and you answered so appropriately? You're not. So what gives you that sense totally of, you know, besides that you know who you are now, that you're not alone. How do you now build upon that? 
Well, without sounding like a schizophrenic, but <laughs> basically I feel like I've got two voices. Yeah. And um, there is going to be the loud, I can't do this, I'm not good enough voice. It still is there. It still does exist, mm. even though I'm a therapist. It doesn't mean I've sorted that out because I haven't, and that makes me human. But also I've learned to tap into that really tiny, weeny, quiet voice. The one that is unassuming, the one is humble, the one that doesn't have a microphone and it doesn't have a loudspeaker. And yeah. it's that tiny, tiny voice. And I call it the voice of the gut because mm. I think the head has got a really loud voice because it tells you what to do, it analyzes, yeah. it's logical. The heart is very compelling, you know, and it, it's very emotional, so it can be quite dramatic. Mm-hmm. And then the tummy, the voice of the gut, is a kind of mixture of the two, of the head and the heart. So it yeah. gives you like a proper assessment of the situation. So you're not like just analytical but you're not completely emotional either you've kind of got a good balance yeah so now whatever i'm doing whatever i'm thinking about i go straight to the gut you know what do you have to say (laughs) you know what is your opinion on this and my gut will tell me and because i've done that so much now my gut voice is really loud and i don't have to listen out for it like I used to because I've been I'm kind of trained myself to use it Mm -hmm. and so I suppose my gut voice has got a little bit more confident and it's it knows that it gets listened to so and so it sounds like the way you got through all this when we go back to earlier in the conversation is you went out to go to find your own solution right so you said you went through the training um to do hypnotherapy and I think when I want to link this back to people who are listening is that there is a solution out there for, for every problem that we've turned into a problem. Mm-hmm. So how do you guide yourself to start being open? Because that is one thing a lot of people uh, we know that they, they don't become open and to maybe mm-hmm. just start really looking, looking for something that, Maybe I should try this because I'll tell you in, in my community is that a lot of guys aren't open to like doing like Wim Hof or which is, mm. I think I haven't even tried yet. I have a buddy who's a, who's in Wim Hof <laughs> and yoga meditation mm-hmm. in my community. It's a very masculine and a very, very aggressive yeah. style community of people. Um, mm-hmm. But even other people who are out there, we look at all these things that are just kind of woo, right? <laughs> They're kind of <laughs> yeah, fluffy. Uh, yeah. It's so <laughs> fluffy. <laughs> but we see so many people go through it and still can maintain that identity that they would like to, to be rough and tough and yeah. humble and also do these things. So how would you guide somebody? What advice would you give somebody to, to start being a little more explorative? I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how tough and rough and whatever you are, you've still mm-hmm. got a brain, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, someone said to me the other day, oh, who is your ideal client? What's your client avatar? And I was like, what do you mean? I don't have clients that are big blue people. Um, they were like, well, what's your type of client? And I was like, I don't have a type of client. Anyone who's got a brain yeah. is a client because hypnotherapy helps you manage your mind you know it helps you kind of get your brain and look at it from a different perspective so it isn't woo woo it's not fluffy you've got a brain let's work out how to use it properly Mm. so you're not kind of losing the plot you're not getting like caught up in the drama you're not getting kind of sabotaged by your own thinking you are starting to kind of take control look at things from a different point of view, understanding that you might not be in the right situation at that moment, but actually you're you. And if you can find the resources that make you you and you can tap in to those strengths, even the pain, even the conflict and whatever is happening in your mind, you can find all of that resilience and again there's another buzzword but i love it though that's <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of the only yeah. way to describe it is kind of <laughs> you know if you are if you are kind of on a time out you know and you're, you're going to hear that bell go right okay that person's won have you got it in you to stand up or move yeah. a finger yeah you know that's it it's like i don't want to be knocked out 
okay, one day I'm going to die, but I want to decide, you know, if I've given up at that point, I don't yeah. want someone else to make me give up. <laughs> it's so, it's so true. Um, and that's like the whole, the reason that the phrase I, I, I chose for this particular podcast was that it tells you that, that there is something worth fighting for, yeah. right? There is something worth fighting for and what it is, is you, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the problem is, is I see people resign to the fact that their experiences draw them, you know, into this deep, dark, just, uh, I, I don't even want to describe it because it brings me back there, but there is this deep, dark place that people will go to and they feel that it is more powerful than they are. Right. Yeah. But that's what mine Did you know, I probably should have told you this, but did you know that my name Dipti means little sparkle of light? No, no, we didn't discuss that before yeah. on our first call. So just the fact that I've got my name in that darkness, I just have to go, Oh yeah. I just need to pull out the little sparkle of light and then it's not dark anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I that's how that. it feels. It feels like, you know, I've always got that ability, but if I don't use that sparkle, mm -hmm. I'll just sit there in the dark and wallow and, you it's know, so go into victimhood and, you know, get eaten up by my own thoughts. Yeah. So I've got to flick that switch, you know, and that's kind of what hypnotherapy does for me. Yeah. And, and it, it sounds so, it's, it sounds so easy because we've said this before. It sounds so easy. It, it is difficult to do, but on the other side, and we, and once you see it, the whole reason I love bringing people like you on the show and all these other people is that I can show anybody else that's out there that it is possible across all genres of people, across all races, creeds, nationalities, sexes, you know, that it is possible because not any one person I've had on the show has this similar background to anybody else. And I will, I will, I will fight tooth and nail to even say people in the same general circles all have had different experiences. Even if you were in the same room at the same time as something happened, it processed different for you. Exactly. Up, yeah, yeah, but it, then it shows up in the same way as everybody else. So yeah. experiences vary. It manifests in the same way, such as not feeling good enough, not feeling um, confident. Maybe it shows up as anger. Maybe it shows up as frustration or doubt or fear, but it's going to show up in that same way that's going to push everybody down into that area. And yeah. we can see people like you who have said, I, I found a way I tapped into to the, to the me who's always been there. And I am on the other side doing something great for myself, all because I tried something, anything that may or may not have worked. But if I didn't, if I didn't do that, right, I would still be back there. And so it's worth the effort in the long run. To just yeah, and if I listened it. to my mum on her deathbed who said, mm -hmm. do not leave him, yeah, and this is my last dying wish, I'd still be there. And yeah. actually, to sort of turn around and ignore your mum's dying wish, yeah. <laughs> I think you've got to be some kind of psychopath. Maybe I'm a psychopath. <laughs> Everybody's got a little bit in them, though. I've right. got some kind of inner psychopath going on, but I'm not a psychopath. I know that <laughs> I do feel everyone, by the way, <laughs> it was just a joke. <laughs> I do have emotions. It's all right. Um, yeah. So I've got to, I've got to kind of turn around and go, wow, I did that. I did that. And I have to be proud of myself. And mm. this is the thing when you do find those moments of, clarity or those moments of value or whatever you call them those sparkling moments it's nice to reflect and look back and remind yourself because that's the sort of stuff that keeps you going because it's not like you've done it once and that's it now you're living in some kind of utopia because yeah. that's not life it, you know you something else will come in and shut your lights down you know it will that's just what life does but then you've got to remember oh yeah i did it then and i can find it again and yeah, yeah your light might dim it might flicker but you can you've got the control to just keep going you know i i love it right those reminders are so great and i can think of the times when i didn't reflect back right and this is recent is when i didn't go back and remind myself 
that, oh man, you, you did these great things. I'll tell you a really good exercise. And mm-hmm. I, I may have explained this on another show in my wife when I was, when I had a, a good bout of anxiety coming on and I was doubtful of myself. She said, draw the line down the middle of the page, write down all the bad stuff and then write down all the good stuff and all the good stuff. You know, I had one kid, I had another, I got one degree, I got another, I went to Iraq and lived, I went to Afghanistan and lived. I, you know, got this job. I made this much money. I did all these things. Mm-hmm. And all the stuff on the bad side was like the same four things that were just <laughs> a different phrase, right? Like, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, I lost my grandmother, but okay. You know, um, I got, I let go from a job, you know, like got laid off and laid off. Well, that's the same thing, you know? Yeah. And, and so, we, we look at it, but we just, we find different terms for all the horrible stuff just to make it again, we're that belief system, right? We're yeah. not good enough because of this, but I'll just rewrite it again. I'll just find another way to angle. say this. Yeah, yeah. Another angle. If we find yeah. another way to say it, it's a different thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like, I like how you put that, you know, the reflection is such a powerful, powerful tool. What did I do in my life that actually, you know, lights my fire that lights me up Mm. and actually when we when we go back and look at ourselves in that way it's not egotistical Mm -mm. it's not you know um shameless self-promotion it's really valid and it's actually the building blocks for ourselves and it's our foundation to stand on when things Mm. get wobbly and when things get tough Um, And I think, you know, it's really important to remember who you really are and what you've done to support yourself so far. And so even like people that you were talking about, um, you know, veterans, going back and thinking about the service that Mm. they have actually completed. Yeah. And I mean, wow. Wow. I mean, I have no other words for that, you know. And that in itself should be lighting all fires <laughs> in should, all yeah. neurons in all pathways inside your brain to remember that that's who you are and you're still here and you're still here telling that same story. But what story do we want to tell? Do we want to tell a new story that will move you forwards, Or do we want that other story to keep holding you back? No, we've got to say goodbye to that one now, put it down, you know, and that's where the, the acceptance comes in i think with grief the grief work that i do Mm. if you're fully able to accept your past and the darkness and where you've been where you've come from not try and change it just be yeah that was how it was but now i'm fully accepting that in this moment i can change my tomorrow because that's all we're doing. We're not going backwards. We have to go forwards. Mm -hmm. And with every tomorrow comes a new sparkle of energy, you know, and that's because we wake up, we we open our eyes and there's a new day, you know, that's what my mum and dad don't have anymore. My grandma doesn't have a new day. Mm -hmm. They've gone. Time has disappeared for them, you know, but we're still here. We still wake up. Oh man, that is, that is so powerful. That is, it's, it's amazing thing to think of like, I can still script my story, right? You can't, you can't change anything you've ever done, no. right? But you can decidedly say, I can accept everything I've ever done and I can use that. You yeah. can use that as a good energy, you know? Um, but yeah, we're right. We, people do get stuck in that, that old belief and it all, it all boils down to choice, really. And so you said an interesting thing, you know, the foundation, right? You, the reflection builds the foundation. So I have to ask this question because this is going to lead us into the, the little last part of the segment. What is the foundation and what do you stay in the fight for? Well, because I mean, I'm still in life and yeah. life is the fight, I guess. And, you know, I haven't decided to end my fight. I'm still carrying on. And, you know, I think there's those kind of like self-development personal development stuff which can be like oh yay life is so amazing it's so (laughs) great and you know we can skip through actually no it's not amazing and sometimes it's really really dark and horrible but if we kind of accept that that's what you have to stand on is that foundation of it is tough it is hard it is a struggle but not in a kind of negative way but in a realistic way And then if you can find your solid foundations of you are here for you, 
you're the one that is recognizing how to stabilize in any type of wobble or any type of situation. You have got that ability to stand up and wake up and that's really the foundation that's what staying in the fight means to me that that is so appropriate and an amazing response now i want to thank you for coming on the show today so much so much for reaching out um and you know having the initial conversation i thought this would be amazing to have and have an amazing impact because every time i i bring somebody on and we talk about like what they do the show never goes that direction. It just becomes part of the story, which I, I think is so appropriate. This is just part of the whole person. I think we got a good idea who you are. So thank you for sharing all of that. Oh, thank you for asking me and having me on. That's yeah. so nice. No, I, I really appreciate it. So I want to give you the opportunity. If anybody wants to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? Okay, so basically I work online. So I see people for hypnotherapy on Zoom, like this call here. And you can find me at my name, which is diptytate.com. So that's my website. Amazing. Well, what we'll do is we'll put everything else in the show notes. So if you want to share your email address and like LinkedIn or social media platform, if anybody wants to reach out that way, we'll put that in the show notes. So everybody, okay. if you want to find out, you know, the, the general description, just go ahead and look at the show notes and Dipti uh, is going to share all that information in there. So when you go to listen to this episode, it will be there for you. Again, I want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been such an amazing discussion. I get so much energy from everybody that comes on here. So I want to thank you for that. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Yes. Thank you. Yes. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see you when we post the episode. Yay! Can't wait. <laughs>Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. We look forward to bringing you new content each and every week through our boots on the ground approach of real and relatable guests. But I'll tell you what, this show cannot carry on without your support. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Thanks everyone for listening. I want to remind you to stay in the fight.